Welcome to the Law of Attraction podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Graziano, previously Grano. I'm so excited to bring you the latest wisdom and science from leading experts and world-class speakers from around the globe to teach you how to manifest your goals in love, career, financial abundance, and have anything you want in life. I'm the creator of the world-renowned meditational behavioral synchronicity method, the MBS method. By listening to this podcast, you will learn how to refocus your mindset and rewire your thought process in simple, tangible exercises that you can begin right here, right now, simply by pressing play. Hello, people. We are so excited to be here today with Jesse Itzler. Yes, he is a serial entrepreneur, the founder of a really cool private jet company, a best-selling author, and he's a real adrenaline junkie, such as running 100 miles in 24 hours. What is that? Hello, Jesse. How are you? Natasha, let me tell you something, man. I love your outfit. I didn't get the dress memo code memo thing. I like what you got there. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, we like to bring London to Japan and just like throw it all up and like this is what you get. <laughs> I went with a pure, a plain black sweatshirt with a white stringy majing. Love it. Why yeah. Not? Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> it kind of works. It looks like Japanese style. I like. Yeah. It. I just you know I didn't get the same theme, but I, I I like it. I like what you got going on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm feeling really good. I'm excited. I am like buzzed because we get to do this. You're in, uh, where are you in the world? I'm in Atlanta. That's right. So you're in ATL and I'm in London, although I did live in ATL and I loved it so much. It was such a, and I can't believe you guys have trees that are actually so like the UK. It's like being in a forest. I was like, where's the palm trees? And I, I got the memo on that one after. So <laughs> we do. We got great trees here and good weather. So it's 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 a, Atlanta's a cool place to live because it's like you get kind of year round weather. It's easy. I'm a New Yorker, so it's a little bit slow for me from where I came from. I came from the city, but uh, but I love it. That's a real change, actually, in New York. What um, what led you to change state like that? Yeah, so I was in New York for 25 years working on businesses and um, single. And then I got married and had children. And my wife's business, Spanx, is here in Atlanta. So we were splitting our time between New York and Atlanta. And then when it was time to put the kids in school, we just, she won, you know, you know, Natasha, you'll see. It's very simple. The key to a, a good marriage is whatever you say, dear. She wanted to go to, she wanted to go to Atlanta. She gets, you know. And she gets a vote and a half and I get a vote. Absolutely. Us women, you know, in the, I'm part Greek. So in my culture, we say the woman wears the neck and she steers it and the man wears the head. So the woman is just telling the guy where to go. That's just life. A happy wife, <laughs> happy life. And I'm sure when I get married one day, I will know about this. <laughs> My wife is super cool. And she would have let, she would have stayed in New York, but this was the right decision for, Absolutely. you know, yeah. I got for sure. And Spanx is such a phenomenal company, but right now I also want to hear about your entrepreneurship journey because you two are a real power couple. Like that is seriously doing bits, but like, You've done so much in your life. 
And I think my, one of my first things, and I know the audience is just going to be so keen to hear about it, is about your success mindset. You know, what goes on in here, in this guy, to make you such an awesome achiever in your life? Yeah, well, I've had a very unconventional journey and I've worn a lot of different hats. I started out in the music business as a recording artist and then as a manage, manager, I managed Run DMC and a lot of the old school rap groups. Uh, I had a private jet company that I started with my partner with no airplanes and no aviation experience. We built it to $5 billion in sales and sold it to uh, Warren Buffett's uh, NetJets and then had a coconut water company. Uh, that we sold to Coca-Cola called Zico. And so I've, I've been in completely different industries, but the theme has always been the same for me. And uh, and by the way, I didn't just like, I, I slept on couches. You know, I, I went through the whole journey, I, the whole journey of struggling to make payroll, you know, everything at, that any entrepreneur would go through. It wasn't all roses, but the theme is always the same. And I think, you know, I... Anybody, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, I think it's really important to believe in the end of your story. And I always believed in the end of the story. I used to tell myself and my partner when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, going to my first office after college, 21, um, I was sleeping on my friend's couch in New York. And I used to go into the office and tell my partner, we're, we're millionaires, man. They just haven't paid us yet. You know, I believed that early on. And I think that's really important. If you're single, you got to believe that he or she'll show up. If you're looking for a job, you have to believe that you are the person that deserves to get the job. And I don't mean just saying it. I mean, like, like I lived it. I was living like a millionaire on a couch in my head. And, and really, um, so believing in the end of the story, I think is really important. Um, and, you know, not to sound like ridiculously obvious, um, they say that self-doubt is the number one enemy to success. So if we could all beat up our own thoughts, our own self-doubt, and this is what you do for a living, we'd all be probably have a better chance to be successful. I had really good self-talk, you know, I really, I really believed in, in my journey. I really, I wanted it more than anybody in anything that I did. Even if I'm working out and I'm, I'm working out with my workout, my trainer, I want, I'm going to want it more than him. And I didn't quit. You know, I didn't have more skill. I just, I just really hung in there until I created an environment where luck could find me. You know, I put myself in a position because Natasha, we're all one idea, one referral, one connection away from changing the trajectory of our life. Mm -hmm. So the people that think like, oh, I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to, you know, this is, this is my life for the rest of my life. Um, that's a completely different mindset than the people that are like, man, I just got to find that one person, that one interview, that one job, that one sale that can flip where I am now to a whole different lifestyle. And I put myself in a position to find those people and those opportunities. Gosh, that's so profound. That is such an amazing journey because knowing that you've been right down here and climbed and really just done that. But the thing that's really standing out from everything you've just said to me is your self-belief, your self-talk and your self-belief and everything that you told yourself, you knew you were gonna make it. You just knew it and you wanted it more. And is that in a way what led you to be this like adrenaline junkie, the way that today you are, you know, tell me about the 100 miles in 24 hours. I mean, that's so impressive for any human to be yeah. able to do. 
I want to, I just want to say it wasn't as simple as simple as just saying to myself, I really want it or believing in myself. There was a lot that went along with that too. Um, standing out, you know, um, I always ask myself what makes my product different? Um, what, you know, what space am I filling, uh, avoid in, um, I project out a lot in my head, you know, five years down the road. Um, and I worked really hard, you know, I, the way that I operate mentally is I go to the end of the movie and, and then, and, and I don't negotiate my goals, Natasha. So like, if my goal is to start something or build something or run a marathon or whatever, it's done in my head. I just gotta, I just gotta write the script now. And the script changes. The script doesn't, you know, I didn't think like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm down $118 and you know, like that happens, but the goal I didn't negotiate it. I never dummied it down and said like, well, I'm almost there and that's good enough. I have this event that I do. I, um, my partner and I started this company called 29029 and we rent a mountain. You hike up the mountain. It's a weekend event. You take the gondola down and you repeat until you climb the equivalent of Mount Everest, 29,029 feet. And I was talking to someone that's doing it next year. And uh, she said to me, she said to me, um, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to go there and I'm going to try my best. And I was like, you already gave yourself an out. Who, like, try, of course, you're going to try your best. Like, if you're not going to try your hardest, why even show up? But like, you've already told yourself, it's okay if I don't finish. And I never did that. I never said like, you know, like, oh, it's good enough. Like, no, I'm going to get a record deal. I'm going to get a book deal. I had 11 no's for my book, Living with the Seal before a tiny publisher said, you know, I'll give you a chance. I could have easily been like, I'm just done. But I kept knocking on publishers doors. Somebody's going to be able to print this book for me. And it ended up becoming a bestseller. So it's not as simple as just saying to yourself, I believe in myself or I want it really badly. That's, but that is, but without that, the obstacles are too big. There's too many, the competition's too good, man. So you have to at least have the foundation early on of, of that belief. Now, going back to your question about, um, you know, running these races, I am, I do like to do endurance races, uh, as you mentioned, and, you know, I'm a big believer in building your life resume more than your traditional resume. I'm a capitalist. I want to make money. I like business. I like all that, but I'm a much bigger believer in like life experiences, experiences. And even when I, I, had very little money and I was sleeping on my friend's couches and trying to figure out my way. I always invested in experiences. I could always take a subway to Coney Island and jump in the, in the, in the ocean in January in the polar plunge. I could always pop into a conference. I could always, um, you know, show up at stuff. I could always figure out a way to go to a seminar or, and, and, you know, your twenties when you're trying to figure it out is a great time to do all that. So I'm a big believer in building your life resume. The more you experience, the more you have to offer, the more empathy you have, the more attractive you are to business, to people. So I've invested in experiences and I still do. You know, I'm, I'm a, the kind of person where if you finish something or you get a big sale or you sell a company, you know, I, I don't hang my hat on that. I, I check the box and then tomorrow it's like, what's next, man? What's next? You know, trying to stack experiences and I've been able to do a lot in a lot of different fields because of that. Wow. 
I love it. I love the 29 times up the mountain because you're right. If you're not going to show up to show up, then what is the point in showing up? You've yeah. got to commit to it. And I love that because self-belief is one part. You're right. But the other part is inspired action, taking action towards it and going for it and not quitting. You know, I don't yeah. even call failures failures when, you know, every time I just call it tries. It's just a time. Yeah, that's good. Re no, redefining failure is so important. But, you know, you said something that's really interesting, Natasha, and you're like, you know, if you're going to show up, I, if you're going to show up to something and you're not going to be like, nobody signed up to be the 80% version of themselves. Like, yes, when I'm 90 years old, look back and be like, yeah, man, I was 80% of what I could have been. Nobody wants that. So if you're going to show up to something, even if it's the fucking opera, man, my wife wants to go to the opera and I don't want to go to the opera. If I have to be there, you got to be where your feet are. You have to be where your feet are and, 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 and give it your all. Otherwise, don't even go. It's like every year I choose a word that kind of defines my theme for the year, like my spirit. And it's not like tattooed on my arm, but it's like it's with me, you know. And the last two years, the word that I used was soul. And I was like, because if, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to put my soul into it. If we're going to have this conversation and I'm thinking about my kids and what I have to do today and this and that, like I'm shortchanging you and anybody else that's invested the time. My energy level, if I talk, you know, I give speeches. If I talk in front of 40 people, it's the same energy level and effort and commitment if I'm in front of 30,000 people. Mm -hmm. There's no difference. I'm all in all the time. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with soul or I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to say, no, man, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. And I think showing up in business is no different. Showing up in business, like, you you know, you're a serial entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. We, you're people who are high achievers and are doing things in their life to a high level. They are not just rocking up. What, what, would, what would your three top pointers be for an entrepreneur who is showing up in their business? Like, how do they show up to their highest abilities and potential? Well, I think um, for starters, I think, you know, you have to focus on the right. Being an entrepreneur, it's not like. It's, it's easy. It's got its challenges. It's super hard. But at the end of the day, you want to focus on the things that move the needle. Like if you have a product, you want to make it and sell it and make more of it and sell more of it and figure out like, how do I, how do I get from A to B the fastest? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of thinking that they're working really hard. But when you dissect it, you really look into it. They are working really hard, but on the wrong things. I could spend a lot of energy on, so like, let's, let's just take a podcast. Let's just say, Natasha, you had, I'm making this up, three business lines of income. You had a clothing company, a podcast, and I don't know, who knows, whatever. You sell widgets. And um, you love doing your podcast because it gives you a platform and you're good at it and you get interesting guests and it's amazing. And you work your ass off, man, on the podcast. You got to get guests, promote it, do the show, edit the show, all that. It's amazing, except the podcast makes you no money. And the widget company, which is your main source of income, is now suffering because you spread yourself out. You're working really hard, but maybe on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I found that a lot of people, especially in early stage entrepreneurs, make that mistake. And then the other thing, you know, I think that early stage entrepreneurs do is they seek validation. So they go around with their idea and they ask everybody, is this a good idea? Is that a good idea? And, you know, my wife always says this, but your ideas are the most vulnerable in the early stages. And you don't, you want to go to people that can advance your cause that have been there. But just to ask your, you know, your friend who's in your loft, you know, smoking and watching, you know, um, Netflix, their opinion on it. That, and they don't have an experience in that. Not that, that there's anything wrong with your friend, um, but they might not have the experience that can really advance your cause. That's just seeking validation. And they could either say, that's a great idea, which you probably already know, or if it's such a good idea, Natasha, how come none of the big companies have done it and talk you out of it? So you don't want to do that. So you, know, you want to trust your gut, make good decisions, and um, think big and go fast. You right. know, you start small, but you think big. And then when you get momentum, you go fast. That is genius. And it's so true. I think as well, showing up in your business, leadership is a big part of it. Um, you know, and spreading that team outwards and growing it, learning how to delegate. Uh, you know, like if there's things that you're doing in your life, if, a, if someone's watching this and they're thinking, but I'm spending all my time doing this and this is the thing that, you know, you have to do. If you can delegate, you want to learn to delegate and you want to be able to bring somebody else in because if that job that is being done is costing you less to pay for than what your time is worth per hour, it ain't worth you doing. You want to give that job to somebody else. So that's, you know, leadership's important, I think, as well, adding to your um, amazing points. Clarity of vision. Showing up with clarity of vision. I think people just don't know where they really want it to go. Are they are they thinking about their product more than the result for the view, for the client, for the customer? I always focus whenever I'm building my own businesses whenever I'm helping clients with theirs. And I look after many entrepreneurs with companies with nine figure businesses, focus on solving problems for others on the result, on the outcome, stop worrying so much about everything else. Just what is it like for that, them, for the customer? And then you can scale so quick and you just think about one person every day, right? When you just think of the needs of one person, what do they want? what would better their life. That's how I grew actually with social media. I realized so early on, Instagram is not a place where we always just demonstrate what we do. It's about what value we can offer other people. And one of my biggest things I say is, is this post you are about to put up going to benefit the life of the people watching? Is it going to better their life? Is it going to add value to their life? Is this going to better their health? Is it going to help them learn a new skill? Is this going to teach them how to be more like you? Is it going to teach them something that is going to add value to their life? Because if it's not, don't bother. And so, you know, there's fun things we'll put up in between and character stuff. But if you're looking to scale and grow, in any kind of business, and I just talked about social media for a second there, but value. Without question, I think, you know, the number one question you can ask yourself 
as a business owner, as a parent, as a friend, as a son, as a daughter, you know, is how can I provide value? You know, and if you focus on that and you like over index in the customer experience or in giving value, nine out of 10 times good things happen, you know? And um, for me at my private jet company, Marquee Jet, you know, uh, that was the rule of thumb. If I could over service, over deliver, provide value, not just everyone, you know, they ex- all my customers expected me, Natasha, to carry their luggage or answer their phone calls and questions or whatever. But when they showed up at the airplane, when I had fishing rods and here's a list of babysitters and emergency contacts and things to do, you know, the, and what, what happens is when you go above and beyond like that, people do something unbelievable. It's called, they give you referrals. They don't want to leave, you know, and, and that's how I've grown all, you know, my businesses. It's not like I'm more talented than anybody. I'm super consistent. Here's one thing that I've done. You know, that's, it's been really simple and really powerful and really good for me. I call it like a three, the three minute miracle. But every day I was at, a, I, was, I go to a basketball camp every year uh, that this, the coach of Duke basketball, Coach K, a legendary coach here in the States, throws the basketball camp for guys 35 and older. He's been doing it for 15 years, 17 years. I've been going for 15 years. And I flew to Carolina like not too long ago. And it reminded me of Coach K. I sent him a text. And I said, coach, I just want to thank you for having this camp because for eight, you know, four days a year, I feel like an eight-year-old. I've made amazing connections. I know you don't have to do the camp. I just want to thank you. Now, he could do three things with that. He might share it with his staff. Like, whoa, camp's not for seven months. Like, like, look at the impact we've had on this guy's life. He might share it with his wife. He might do nothing. But I now have permission if I see Coach K out at dinner to go over and say, coach, I sent you this text. I'm not coming out of thin air. Out of the 500 campers, who's he going to hug me first? Who's he going to hug first at camp? Me. Now, the, the text took 45 seconds to send. So if you invest three minutes a day and you send three DMs, texts, handwritten letters, emails, whatever, over the course of the next month, you'll, you will send 100 text DMs or personal messages. Um, if you did that for the entire year, right? Three minutes a day for the entire year, you'll send a thousand. If you invest 10 minutes a day and did 10 of them, you'd send 3000. Now I'm not saying everybody's going to call you up and say, I want to buy your product or I want this or have a meeting or whatever, but you just need one. You just need that one that could change the course of your life. And, uh, that's what I've been doing. I'm not, I'm just consistent. I'm planting seeds all the time. I carve out time in my day to do that. I still write handwritten letters to people and, uh, and people remember it. It becomes memorable and that's how I network. Now you can hit a lot of people on social media and have posts and that's amazing, but there's nothing like that direct handwritten letter contact. So I'm just consistent with it you know, and, uh, and it's paid off for me. When I was 22 years old and I had zero money, I wrote 10 handwritten letters a day. I wrote 3000 handwritten letters between 22 to basically 24 years old to anybody. If there was a podcast, there weren't podcasts back then, but there was a business leader, uh, someone I read about, um, you know, Hey, Natasha, I love what you're doing, you know, and just, I would send it, not asking for anything and just send it. And now if I ever saw you, I'd be like, gosh, I wrote you a, a letter years ago. I can't believe I'm bumping into it. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Now we're linked up. Not like, oh, I follow you. A lot of people follow you on social media. 1.3 million people follow you on social media. But 
it, it gives you that differentiation. So, you know, it's a consistency to it. You're muted, Natasha. There you go. That's actually lovely writing handwritten letters. I think that that's something that we've lost like in today's world because everything's so digital. I love writing handwritten letters. I still have little kits where you've got envelopes and gorgeous little sets that you can put it all together with. And I love that. Do you know what? That's yeah. such a profound thing. And that would actually make people stand up from the crowd. So that is a fantastic thing to do if you have the ability to do any handwritten letters. Are there any um, practices that you do in say your evening ritual that is something that would, if you were to be visualizing, cause you know, you said a lot a minute ago about at the beginning, you were talking about when you were like, you know, on people's couches and you were building, but you lived like a millionaire in your head. I want to dive into that a bit just for, for a, a second here. I'm just fascinated yeah. by it. And I think, yeah, that because, yep. It, you know, if certain areas, so if you think about success, People think like success is they measure it most people by income or how much money do you have? And that, like, that's the big measuring stick. But to me, success is being good in multiple buckets. It's being a, a good dad. It's being a good son, a good friend, a, good at philanthropy, good at business, being healthy. It's being kind. It's all those things, right? And, uh, and if one of them is suffering, like, God, I'm just really struggling in my business right now. That doesn't mean that like your friendships have to suffer or if you, if you love adventure, that that has to suffer. And so when I say like living like a millionaire, you know, I was, I made $35,000 till I was 25 years old or 26 years old. And I was living in New York city and you know, that's difficult. And, but I was still doing everything that made me feel super alive. So I was still struggling in my business, but I was, doing things, I was still riding my, I mean, what I like to do, you know, I was riding my bike every night in Central Park. I was running, I was jumping in cold water, signing up for races, taking trips to like climb mountains, you know, jumping in frozen lakes. Like that's just what I'm into. But so I was living this life that like, God, if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't even change anything. I just have more brown rice on my plate. So I was already living this amazing, you know, life. Uh, and that's, that's what I mean. Success, you can't let something all the buckets suffer because one bucket is suffering. You know, if your weight is out of line, that doesn't mean you should neglect your kids or vice versa. So that that's one thing. And then you brought up like, you know, the nighttime, you know, um, I'm a big believer in when we hear about morning routines all the time and morning routines are important. I'm a much bigger believer in evening routines because nobody listening to this, I imagine, is good enough to just wake up and wing it. Like, oh, what am I going to do today? Like, what's on my list today? What do I have to get done today? Oh, how should I spend my day? Well, it's Tuesday. Um, you know, like the competition's too good. And what do the best CEOs in the world do? They have like three assistants and they walk in and the assistants give them a piece of paper. It's like, Natasha, nine o'clock here, 9.15 call, 10.30, we're taking you here, 11. We don't have, nobody here is three assistants. So what I do is I map out my day the night before. I, I take five minutes and I say like, you know, 6 a.m. I'm doing this, 7. I'm on with Natasha from 2 to 3 and boom, 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 boom. And then I just wake up and follow the script. So it's like it's already planned. You know what I mean? It's like my day is mapped out. And I leave room 
to do stuff that I want to do or to be spontaneous. I'm mega spontaneous, but I, I map out the most important things. And that's, I think that's really important. I think that that is such a good structure for anyone in any field. And I love how much time you find that you actually do have in between those events. Because some things you get done and then you realize, like, I love spontaneity. I love it. Like, just, you know, the word serendipity, that word is such a great word to just put into your life. You know, when something happens and it's like, that was so serendipitous. It was such a great event that just, you know, two, two forces came together, two people and, and something magical happened. And I love that about life. And so you find that those kind of opportunities happen when you least expect. So Natasha, my- can, I ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So go, go back to when you were six to eight years old. Mm-hmm. Were, you, uh, were you shy as a kid? No. Were you crazy, incredibly outgoing as a kid? Incredibly outgoing. I broke my arm here at four, here at seven. I was just like diving down the mountain, that crazy wild child that would climb up lampposts. My mom used to tell me I would climb up lampposts and sit at the top until the police was like, your daughter needs to come down. (laughs) It was- (laughs) Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I'm the oldest of five. So you jump started the whole thing. I think, yeah. So go on, what was the, What? it's interesting you asked me that. What's the- Because, because like you have a lot of self-confidence and you have a lot of energy and you give off a lot of energy. So I'm just trying to figure out if you, how, you know, everybody wants energy. You have a lot of energy. So I'm trying to figure out how, where it came from, or if like, if it's like newly established or if like you were just, you came out of the womb and you were like, hello world. Boom. Yeah. I have to say I'm that type. (laughs) I was, I've always, when people leave me, my company, they less say, I miss you to me. They say, I miss your energy. I need your energy. When can I see you again? I'm not talking about dates. I'm talking about females. I'm talking about my grandmother. I'm talking about the lady in the street that I bumped into a second time. You know, your energy is so, because I'm, I think not just me, we're all filled with energy. We're, we're made of energy but we all have the same energy. It's just how we allow it to come out. Some people resonate with bigger fields or auras or whatever you want to call it. They just project even more energy out there, which in turn attracts even more to them. That could also be dramatic circumstances. It's just depending on how you put your energy out there. Look at a child. So my son is four and a half. And whenever I see him, He's so filled with energy in the times when I'm depleted. And I look at him and I think, okay, no. So we're both human. Why has he got more energy than me right now? And I've studied this with, you know, just over the years, not just with him, just because it's a subject I love. And I've realized we have our life force inside of us and through negative things that happen, traumatic experiences, or just how we live our day to day, just with low frequency shit and activities coming in that stuff kills your chi your energy right your life force it just like depletes it pushes it diminishes it it's the word it pushes it down 
So if you stop doing all this lower frequency stuff and disconnect from that to connect to what you're here for, your purpose, and you align with what feels good, whether that is to be an amazing mom, to be an amazing dad, to do a really great business, to whatever it is that is your purpose or to help people to be you know, a philanthropist, whatever it may be, when you are in alignment with who you are here to be, then your energy will stay high. So when I'm speaking to thousands of people or when I'm speaking to one person guiding them, I feel good because I know my purpose is here to serve and to help people in this field that I've just been like channeled knowledge, you know? So that's why I have energy, but catch me on a bad one where I'm, where I'm doing something which I'm like terrified. No, cause I still got me, but where is something that I don't resonate with? I'll just kind of, I'll be more quiet. And you know, people will say, are you okay? I'm completely fine. I'm just, my energy's not resonating here. So I've now learned to not do all the low frequency stuff as much as I physically can and focus on the higher frequency activities, the stuff that allows your energy to duplicate, to double, to quadruple, so that you always are just filled with energy. And even when you want to sleep, you just, good night, and you just put it to bed and then you touch the ground running. Wow. When, when is the last time you cried? Two days ago. <laughs> what made you cry? Um, so I felt like I was having an anxiety attack. I actually was, but I didn't, it wasn't like my normal anxiety attack. I used to have really bad anxiety because of the illness I suffered many years ago. I had the worst year of my life five years ago when I overcame the illness and had anxiety. But I cried because I thought it was, the illness was, was like kind of poking its head again because of how I was feeling. But actually it was just anxiety that was making me more nervous. And what the reason, the root cause of it was, we're in this lockdown here in London and sometimes it just gets so much when you're yeah. all in one place, I'm in one, you know, one home. And it's, you know, my son's being homeschooled at the moment and there's noise and I'm filming in my studio, but you know, there's so much going on in one place. And then on top of that, some personal stuff happened, some shit in the love life and everything just, and I was like, I, 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 my God, why, you know, what, what's going on? But I realized we suffer people like you and I go through suffering in our life. And I'm sure you've been through things in your life too, but we, it happens to us because we're meant to learn from it and teach others. We're given these platforms to be able to help others through what we've been through and how we got over it. So yeah, that's, that's how, why I cried. Have you cried okay. recently? Uh, you know, I, I got definitely, um, it's funny because you have one child. Yeah. Just one. Yeah, I have four. So, you know, once I became a dad, the floodgates open, man. It's like anytime I see another kid, it's just like going through something, not even my own child. It could be I write, read something in a paper or newspaper. It, get, it definitely gets me as a, as a parent. So, uh, yeah, I cry all the time. I, in, it, to me, it's just part of it, you know. I laugh a lot, too. I'm a big yeah. laugher. I have a ton of fun. But... Um, yeah, man. I mean, I got a lot of people in my life. So I let a lot of people into my life. 
So um, when that happens, you're exposed to the good and the bad. You know, you're exposed to people disappointing you and you're exposed to people going through stuff that you suffer with them and you're exposed to a lot of good. But I, I, I leave a very open, you know, um, Gateway life like that. Like, yeah. Yep. I have a big network of people that I, I consider, you know, close friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting because over the years where I am now, I've definitely evolved where I used to have so many people around me who I would call friends, actually their acquaintances. I've now realized who my true friends are and I can count them literally less than one hand. I'm very tight knit. I keep very few people super close to me. I have a lot of people that work with me or I count as people I can rely on, but I never speak about anything to anyone other than um, my mom and my mentors, really. I, I keep very few people actually that close to me. Um, and I think it's because I've been hurt so many times over the years, but also when you start to evolve, I feel on journeys, you go through chapters and there's certain people with you on just chapters and maybe there's some who stay the whole way. Yeah, and I know for many, many people that is the case and that's a beautiful thing. And I, that's actually something that I wanna personally bring into my life is some people that are friends who I can rely on and trust the same way they can rely on me the whole way, you know, for the next 30, 40 years. Because I have a few who are of those five who have been with me for 15 years, right. 20 years. Um, you know, since I was a little girl. So I'm, it's something that I think as you evolve, they think you change as you get bigger or whatever, but it's not you that changes. It's their reaction to it. And so the only thing in life that we can control is our reaction. And so we can never control what happens around us. It's just how we react. You know, whenever someone does this, it's your fault. Look at this. I'm saying it's your fault, right? But one, two, three fingers are pointing back at me. Whose fault is it? Me. So when something happens, you can never point and say it's your fault for it. You have to always look in and just think, why is this happening in my movie? Why is this happening to me? And my reaction counts way more than what has just happened. I think, you know. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> and if you say it with an accent like you have, it's even better. <laughs> I have a New York accent. It doesn't come across. Like I could say the same thing you just said. And and then, you know, we take it to the audience survey and they'd be like, no, Natasha said it way better, man. No, that's so funny. <laughs> but I do have this microphone that's making me sound super crystal clear. Yeah, we spoke about this in the beginning. Your mic setup is just, it was so funny. So before you put it on, I could hear you. And suddenly like, the mic came on and then it was like, what? Yeah. And the, like with the microphone, you talk a little lower. Yeah. You get into like a little bit of a podcast voice. The Jesse with the mic showed up. Right. Like, you ever go like, you know, when you go to the restaurant and or like you go to like a supermarket and they're like, you know, the cereal is in aisle D. They have like this distinct <laughs> like like tone. You know what I mean? Shopping hours will be closing today at 4 p.m. It's always the same, like what it's like the mic, you know, it's like they, they would never say that. And like, Natasha, I have to go to dinner. I never say that. I gotta go to dinner, man. I gotta go to dinner. But then when you get the microphone, the whole spirit of it changes. So I feel, yeah, I was like, I had to match your accent and energy with the, and 
The only way I could do it is to get a high powered mic. Oh my God, Jesse, I can't wait to catch up with you guys at some point soon. Oh my God, it's going to be fun. But thank you so much for coming today and showing up. You are genius. I've had the best time with you. So guys, you can all follow Jesse. Links are below and I can't wait to hear from you again soon. You're coming back on soon, okay? We're going to we're gonna hook up this whole thing again because- Let's do it. It's been amazing. Let's do it. But- I'll send you a mic. Yes, I'm your mic and we can both do it. That'd be awesome. All right, peace and love. If you enjoyed this episode of the Law of Attraction podcast, it would be amazing if you could follow on Spotify or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me and to all of us. You, the listener, are the only way that this podcast grows. And those small acts of kindness that you do to support, they go such a long way. It's the cycle of giving and receiving. And as you give, you receive. That is the Law of Attraction in action. Whether or not you believe in it or not, it is happening in your life. And I know you could be listening right now to literally thousands of other podcasts, but you've chosen to be here and listen to this, the Law of Attraction podcast with me, Natasha Graziano. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart to yours, I am so grateful to you. And I hope this has helped you. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I hope you go out into the world and attract the life you deserve because you can have, be, and do anything you want. You've simply got to start by believing. Believing in yourself, believing it is possible to attract anything you want into your life. And it all starts by taking action. And once you start taking inspired action by listening to a podcast like this every single week and learning from experts, you get into the mindset of that expert and myself while you're listening for the duration of this podcast. You get that chance to be almost one-to-one mentored by them for the duration of your listening. And that is the power of a podcast. So please do follow on Spotify, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you and we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you again later this week. Peace, love and gratitude for your day ahead.